Genesis chapter 50, and we're going to begin there this morning and look at uh, some events leading up to uh, Moses and the first uh, instances that we see of him, and one of the most memorable of that being the burning bush. And then I want us to take a look at, at uh, that encounter with God and see if we can make some application in our lives uh, this morning. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 24. If you'll remember, Joseph had become a, a pretty mighty power in Egypt. And the Pharaoh there had, had, was liking him and had bestowed a lot of favor on him and a lot of responsibility. And we find Joseph here in verse 24 in the waning years of his life. And he says to his brothers, I am about to die. But God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which He promised and on oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. The children of Israel were now in the land of Egypt and in not too bad of a, a circumstance. But if you'll turn with me over to Exodus chapter 2, we find that events over several hundred years somewhere close to 400 years, that events change. Rulers die off, and new pharaohs come to power that are not so favorable as the children of, of God. And we find in verse 23 that it says, Now it came about in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died, and the sons of Israel sighed because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry for help, because of their bondage, rose up to God. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered His covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God saw the sons of Israel, and God took notice of them. There what Joseph had talked about so many hundreds of years ago was now being fulfilled in the cries from the children of Israel in their slavery. And I'd like to continue reading here, because in chapter 3, that's where we are introduced to Moses. Now, Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to, came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. And so Moses turns aside and approaches the bush, and the Lord calls out to him, and he responds. And thus begins a great relationship, and the beginning of a great leader. But let's take a look, and that, that says Genesis, but that's supposed to say Exodus. Let's take a look at what happens in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 2. What's, what's actually taking place, and, and let me say that this, there is great symbolism here, I believe, and this is not something that I have come up with. I have had the opportunity to sit at the feet of a great many men that would be too numerous to mention here this morning. But some have, have taken a reflection upon this burning bush scene as having some additional symbology to just a bush not being consumed and God being in its midst. What we see is a, is a bush 
But what may be symbolized by this tree and its branches is the roots of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and its branches being the children of Israel. And in that bush was fire. And the plight of the Israelites at this particular time was Egyptian oppression, burning in slavery and bondage. So much so that they have cried out to their God who, for all we know, they have not heard from in 400 years. And then we see God in their midst. And that's the reason the bush is not consumed. The children of Israel are not licked up by the fire of the Egyptian oppression because God is still with them. Even after 400 years of silence, God is still with His children and remembers His promise. So I want to take a look this morning at the calling of Moses and our own personal burning bush that we might encounter today in God's calling us to service. And I'm going to read some things that aren't very flattering about Moses this morning. We know Moses is a great individual, a great leader a great righteous man. But let me tell you, he had a shaky start. And you know, there is nothing new under the sun, and the things that we will read this morning are the same things that you might hear off of the lips of your brethren or or me today. So let's look now down in verse 10. God states his mission for Moses. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Boy, that's a, that's a big job put forth for a shepherd who's been out tending the flocks. And look what Moses answers to him in verse 11. Moses said to God, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. Who am I? I'm just a shepherd. All I've been doing for the past however many years is taking flock out of the, uh, the flock of the sheep out of the gate and into the pastures, watching over them and bringing them back at night. Maybe feeding them, doing some other chores around the house. I'm no, I'm, I'm no leader. I'm not, God, you must be mistaken. I'm not the man for this job. Who am I? You know, all I do is is, uh, sweep the floors and clean the toilets and, you know, I do my janitorial services and that's that's what I do for a living. And I I come home and I, I, you know... Or, or I, I, I'm a, I'm a project manager, and I—that's all I know to do is, is to, is to do the numbers of, of the business and to keep everything in order business-wise. I'm no, 
I'm no eloquent preacher. And really, sometimes that's what it boils down to. As we sit here and look at eloquent men such as Edwin and say, I'm not, who am I to go out and talk to people? I'm no local evangelist, and we use that term sometimes, but isn't that a work of the church? Plural? And aren't we all local evangelists for Christ? Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. If you'll turn over there with me. 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. Because what Moses is conveying here, really, if you look at it at its deepest level, at this point in his life, he's got a lack of self-worth. Who am I to do this great task that you have set before me? Look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Listen to me. If you are a child of God, you are not worthless. You are not worthless. And God has a purpose for you in His ministry. You are His chosen people. Let's turn back over to Exodus chapter 3. You might want to mark your Bibles here if you if you have a marker, because we'll be turning back and forth to the book of Exodus. Look at what God says to Moses, and we'll come back to this point. He answers him in verse 12, Certainly I will be with you. Remember that. Certainly I will be with you. But look at what Moses answers in verse 13. Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What, what shall I say to them? What is he saying there? Who are you, God? Who am I going to tell these people that you are? And once again, if you get to the root of that, he is showing a lack of spiritual intimacy. A lack of knowing God, who God is. And so there's a hesitancy because he doesn't know God as well as he should. 1 Peter 3. Turn back over there, if you will, with me. 1 Peter 3 starting in verse 13. Peter writes, Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? 
But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation, and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Listen to me. We have to know God. We have to know our God. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. In whatever state we find ourselves, as a lowly shepherd that has stumbled upon the mountain of God and has now been called, or whether we are at our business and we find an opportunity that comes before us, Look at what Paul writes to the Philippians. He says, I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. What's that secret, Paul? That I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Listen, we, don't, we should not exhibit a lack of spiritual intimacy because we find strength in our weaknesses through Christ's power. Let's turn, turn back to Exodus. And now in chapter 4 and verse 1, Moses has listened thus far and he's still making excuses. Chapter 4 and verse 1, Then Moses said, What if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, The Lord has not appeared to you. What if they don't believe me? Listen, do we, do we think that about other people? When we're presented with an opportunity, and I hope we have time this morning to list some ways that we can see opportunity to talk to others. But when we look at some individual out in the world, at our business, or at the gas station, or at the grocery store, do we prejudge? Do we have a tendency to do that? I know I do. I see a guy in a... In a black shirt, he's got American chopper written. He's got tattoos all over his arm, earrings all in his ears, and he's got cowboy boots on and spiked black hair. And I look at him and I think, well, he won't believe me. Or maybe he's not interested in talking about that. Listen, people are out there in the dark, groping for the life. I want you to think about something. When you meet that big dude that looks like he's gone off the deep end, you have an opportunity to talk to him. You may be his last opportunity to hear the gospel. We are God's hands and feet and mouth. We need to make the most of our opportunities. Look with me 
over in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16. Pay close attention to yourselves and to your teaching. And this is Paul talking to Timothy because he is an evangelist. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Who knows? What will become of that seed that you plant? You may be ridiculed. You may be brushed off. But at some future point, that seed may germinate through some other Christian because you planted. They won't believe me. Let's not let that be a stumbling block for us today in the ministry of the church. Back in Exodus chapter 4, Moses is still not through. He's still finding excuses not to do the work that God has purposed for him. In verse 10, Then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Lord, I am just unskilled in this business of talking to other folks. I, am, I, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know where to go. I... I just this is this is not again, Lord. You must be mistaken because I've never been an eloquent man. And where he had showed a lack of self-confidence in others, now he redirects that lack of self-confidence to within himself in being unskilled. Let's look over at Hebrews chapter five. Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. Listen, we need to get back to our the basic principles every now and then. We need to have that sedimentary, like bedrock. We need to revisit that and make sure that we are strong in the foundation points of our faith. But by now, you ought to be teachers. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature who because of what? Who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Lord, I'm unskilled. What if he brings up premillennialism? Where do I go in the Scriptures to do that? How do you become mature in the Scriptures? 
You study. You make preparation for that. And also, you train your senses. And you do that by practice. And if you're not talking to people, how can you be practicing and training your senses in the Word? It takes more than book learning. That's a vital part. We need to open this book every day and have our heads in it, but we need to be using it, be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Look at Philippians 1 and verse 6. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, Paul says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He will perfect that good thing that has begun in you through your baptism in the Lord Christ Jesus. That good thing that has begun needs to continue to be perfected. And we need to do that by not having a lack of self-confidence. Building that by practicing. And then when all else is, when all other excuses are run out, we finally come to what Moses has really been trying to say, I think. And back in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 13, but he said, Please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. You know what he's really saying there? Lord, I just can't. I've, I've come up with all the excuses that I can find, and you've had some great responses Lord, it just boils down to this. I, I, just, I just can't. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 25. In the class this morning in the back, Brother Adair brought out this point. And I'd like to bring it out to you this morning in conjunction with what we're studying. Because what he's exhibiting there is a lack of faith. Lord, I just can't. Look at Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 25. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. Have we said that before? Come, come across an opportunity to talk about the gospel and let that pass us by and we look back on that and just say, I was, I was, Lord, I was afraid. We hid our talent in the ground. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. And see, there's the travesty when we do that. Because we know 
God's expectations for us. Now listen, we, Moses had a, had a lot of lacking in the beginning. Let me tell you, so do I. And I'm sure so do most of us lack in some or maybe all of these areas and have trouble with, with these points. Let me read you what the psalmist said in Psalms 31, verse 24. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Be of good courage. Listen, if Christ is for us, who can be against us? What can man do to us? And certainly nothing on the scale of what the early Christians, what our early brethren faced when they preached the gospel. We may get our pride hurt. That's about all that can be done to us in this great nation now. We ought to hang our heads in shame for some of the missed opportunities. And I speak to myself. I speak to myself. Look at a changed Moses. Moses didn't stay this excuse-finding, lackluster man. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 34. And we find a very different Moses here. Starting in verse 10. Speaking of Moses, since that time, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. No prophet. Did that... Back in chapter 3 and 4, does that sound like a great prophet that no one else could have matched in all of the history of the Israelites? Now think, think about you and the excuses that you may have given. And think about that good thing that has begun in you and the great person that you can be when you meet God's call. And we have to go back to the very first thing. We always, we're taught this as children, listen to that first thing that your father says. You keep going back with excuses to your dad and he'll just keep telling you, because I told you so. Or do I have to tell you that again? God exhibits patience with Moses here, but if we go back to that first thing that he told Moses, it sums it all up. He told him, certainly I will be with you. I will be with you. You don't have to be scared. When you meet that personal burning bush of that opportunity... God is in our midst, and He is with you, and He goes with you. 
And we need to remember that. Now then, this church here and local congregations all over, there's three basic ways that a church will grow. By migration, Christians moving into the area and fellowshipping with us here. By reproduction, Christians here having children and they grow up and are taught by the the members here and become members themselves. Or by evangelism. Now, which of those throughout the book of Acts did we see the most exponential growth? And how do we want to grow here? Do we want to wait for folks to move into town? Or for Andrea and I to have kids? (laughs) Or do we need to get out there and be evangelizing those who are lost and need the salvation of our Lord that we hold. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's Isaiah 41 and verse 10. Carry these verses with you. Not just today, but as you go into the work week. And it may be as simple as handing out a dollar devotion card. But do your part. Answer the calling of the Lord. And if you're not a Christian, then those words that God will go with you do not apply. You do not have the favor of Christ. You don't have His saving grace that has been bestowed upon you. You need to take a look at where you stand. Because what you have before you is the human, it's humankind's owner's manual. This is how we are to live and move and have our being. And the words of Christ will judge us in the last day. And there's a day coming. There's a day appointed. And we don't know when that day is. And how will you stand before God? You won't. You will kneel. You will bow. And whether it is in awe and a glad expectation or in fear and trembling will depend on how the decisions you make, even this very morning, and the decisions you make as you live your life. If we can help you in any way this morning with your walk with Christ or in finding your Savior, please let us know by coming to the front as we stand and sing.